You're listening to Immaculate Conception Podcasts, recorded every Sunday at the 11 o'clock Mass at our new church located at 411 Palma Road in Columbia, Illinois. For more information about Immaculate Conception, please go to www.icc-columbia-il.us. Our pastor is Father Carl Shear. And now, enjoy the podcast. So this is the second Sunday of Lent, and you think that as Lent, what we do is when we kind of look at ourselves and see, okay, what are the areas in my life that can be changed? Where can I become a better person? Where can I kind of get rid of some vices that I have and grow in virtue and all of this? And so what happens is, and this is a time for that, and we know that. And what can happen, though, is to Christians in general, is that we know that we should be better. We always know we should be better. And so we're always kind of looking at ourselves and saying, oh, man, look at this, or I have to do that, or this, or that. And what, what's kind of unusual and kind of funny about it is that it kind of makes us self-centered. In our attempt to be better people, we become just kind of egotistical. And I don't mean that in a really bad way, but we just think about ourselves a lot. <coughs> and it kind of sort of, excuse me, gets in the way. And here's what I mean. On this, the second Sunday of Lent, in a time where we are supposed to be looking at ourselves, God says, no. God says, look at me, <laughs> look at me, and look at me. So, here we go. Let's try. Now, this is going to be hard, and we probably will not make it through. But let's try not to think of ourselves. But it's going to be practically impossible. Here's what I mean. Abram. Abram was visited by God, and God said to Abram, and probably Abram still couldn't figure out if it was God or not, not yet, but anyway... Abram was told, you're going to be a great nation. And so Abram said, thank you, God. That's very nice. You're a very nice God. However, I'm an old guy. And my wife is really old. And we know at our age, there is no children. But thank you for thinking about us. Thank you for the thought. Now, if you want to get God, or if you really want to be on God's bad side, or you want to get on his bad side, all you have to do, and you have to do it like Abram did. You can't just do it overtly, and because Abram didn't know what he was doing. But Abram said to God, thank you, but I am old, and therefore it's beyond my time. That's the way it is. Nothing more can be done. Now, when he said that, he said to God, you can't, you know, you're not as powerful as I think you are. And so God says, wait a minute. Give me some animals. Let's go get some animals. Now, this is the gross part of the reading. Because back then, there was no contracts, there's no lawyers, no all of this kind of stuff, reams of paper of signing that we do today when we go into contract. Back then, if you were going to go into a contract, it was pretty rough and tumble. 
uh, meaning that everyone had to bring some animals and it was gross, it was bloody. You had, you had to kill the animal, you had to split the animal in two and guts and gore uh, and you split the animals. You come to terms with what you were agreeing to and then both parties would walk through the split animals. Okay, so we had that going on here. God knows what's going on, so God says, bring me some animals, kill them, and split them. Abram kills the animals and splits them. However, then the only one who went through the split animals was God. God in the form of this torch. Abram saw God kind of walk through the split animals and says, listen, you're going to have kids and you're going to be a nation. And sure enough, it happened. Abram did not believe it at first. So why should he? Things like this don't happen. But God says, I kind of can work outside that. I am God. I'm not totally imperfect. I'm not totally powerless. And so God, to prove it, made a covenant of which Abram did not have to make. But God says, I'm going to be with you. And so Abram learned a lesson about how he then saw God, and he saw God in a different light. Jesus going up to a mountain to pray. Peter, John, and James tagging along. As they are praying, something really strange happens. Jesus becomes dazzlingly white. His clothes become white. There's something happening, obviously. And then suddenly, uh, there is Moses and Elijah. And I have no idea how Peter and John and James knew this. You know, they didn't have a picture of what they looked like because Moses was long before them. But nonetheless, it's probably like a dream. You know how when you're dreaming, you, you say, well, here I am, and this is just who these people are. And this is probably what they were going through. They did not know what they looked like, but suddenly they knew, well, that, that's Moses and that's Elijah. But nonetheless, here's all three of them up there talking in this white light kind of experience of which the apostles are kind of watching. They're just, they're just observers of this, which is unusual, let's face it. And so, you know, Peter says, hey, let's make three tents. He's trying to do something because Peter's trying to run the situation or trying to understand the situation, trying to get hold of the situation. And then suddenly it's all gone. All the brightness and all of that. And suddenly they're back to Jesus. Peter, John, and James, no doubt, had to figure out prior to this that Jesus was a pretty special guy. Look, he can heal people. He can teach with authority. He preaches well. And so therefore, they're following him kind of as a prophet, if you will, or somebody that's really holy. Do they have in their mind that he's really the son of God? No, not yet. They just know he's, he's a pretty good guy. And so they think they have him figured. They think that, okay, this is, this is a special guy. But they were wrong. They were wrong in their thinking. They had an opinion, which is valid. Who doesn't have an opinion? I would too. If I met Jesus for the first time and I hung out with Jesus, I would have an opinion. 
However, this reading shows that the opinion is wrong. Everything they thought about Jesus suddenly has been changed, has been transfigured. The Jesus that they're hanging out with is something to behold. And it gets even spookier. While this was going on, a dark cloud descends and it comes down and covers them. And then out of this cloud comes a voice. This is my chosen son. Listen to him. By the way, in the New Testament, this is about it for the voice of God. In the Old Testament, we hear God speaking all the time. God is talking here. God is talking there. And when it comes to the New Testament, this is it. God kind of goes silent. But he comes down on Peter, John, and James and says, this is my chosen son. Listen to him. And that's probably the spookiest part of it all. Because then they heard God's voice and says, okay, we've got to listen to Jesus. My point here is that as Christians, we know that we are made in God's image, but sometimes and many times we reverse that. As Christians, we have an image in our head of what Jesus is and should be and acts and behaves. And what can happen is, is we create a vision of Jesus, we create our own image that becomes our God, if you will. And so what happens is we start creating God, we start creating Jesus in our image. Okay, well enough, but then here's where it gets bad. Is that suddenly we think we know what Jesus is going to do. And we think we know how Jesus is going to act. And what we do is we take our own personal image that we have created of Jesus, and it's kind of like a filter. And we bring that filter out, and we start looking at people. And we start judging people according to how we think Jesus is going to judge them. Therefore, we bring out our filter, and we put it on some people, and say, oh, and there could be fellow Christians. Let's just stay within our tribe here. So we're just staying with us. So, because it gets worse when we go outside of Christianity and we just, we don't have time for all that. So we, uh, so we have this filter and we're putting it up against Christians. And after a while we say, oh, you're not following Jesus. You're not acting Christ-like. The way I see it, the way I believe it, the way that I want it. And so this filter becomes a judgment. And we start judging people through this filter. And then as Christians, then we know what comes next. Once you judge somebody, what do we Christians do? Come on, it's, it's, it's what we do all the time. We don't like to say it out loud, but we hope it. Oh, you're not doing right. You're obviously going to hell. And I'm glad of it <laughs> because you are not the image that I think you should be. 
the thing, you're not the image of my Jesus. And we judge instantly on that. Now, we know we're not supposed to, and like I said, I'm kind of doing it in kind of a weird, blatant way. We don't want to be this gross about it, but we are in our own little private mind and heart. We just don't say it out loud like I just said it. But I kind of use my little judgy eyes, and I look and say, hmm, no. So the readings today challenge us because sometimes we look so much at ourselves that what's happening is we're creating God in our image. So what are we to do about that? Here's what God said. Let's go back to the reading, to the gospel reading. The cloud came down and God said, this is my chosen son, listen to him. Now, when God says, listen to him, this is God telling me, and this is God telling you, but I'm going to use me. This is God telling me, you listen to Jesus and try to be like Jesus. Nowhere in that statement says, now you go out and judge other people accordingly. Nowhere in that statement, is there a statement of that? Nowhere does it say, go out there and make people do this or do, you know, nowhere does it say that. What God is saying to me is you have to listen to Jesus. Well, I don't want to do that. I want other people to listen to me. I want to be kind of the center of it. I want to be the judge. I want to set the laws. I really want to control everything. I really want the world to kind of swirl around me in my image of what I want to happen. So today God comes and interrupts that and says, stop. And, he's, and according to the gospel reading, I'm going to be transfigured in front of you. So God is telling me, you don't have it figured out. You don't have my image. It is my image. Listen to me. Follow me and do my commands. And if you do that, then you know what? The world will be a lot better place. It doesn't need one more judger. It needs one more disciple. And that is what I think Jesus is kind of challenging all of us today. To realize that our image of him has to be transformed into something better and that we ourselves have to be transformed into his image 